Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Heather Graham on her directing debut and Time's Up. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Sammy. Hi. Do you, I don't know, if should I welcome you? I mean, you don't need a welcome. You're part of the show, so it's not like you're a guest. Um, I don't know. I like the welcome. I think it's like, because sometimes I'm not here. That's true. So you need to establish right at the beginning the whether way. they're going to fast forward the intro or not. <laughs> <laughs> they need to don't know. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You sound a little, are you a little low energy? You okay? I'm mad at you. I'm really mad at you right now, and everyone should know why. Why are you mad at me? Because everyone should know that on Wednesday, Josh was in Los Angeles with Ben Schwartz, friend of the family, friend of the show, and neither one of them decided to tell me that they were going to see Jeff Goldblum perform jazz. And so I'm just feeling a little dejected. I'm upset. I'm feeling excluded. I'm feeling... You weren't in... Were you in Los Angeles? No, but... You could have, you guys could have sent me a picture of the program. We want to respect Jeff Goldblum's wishes and keep it private. That's fine. Okay, so by the way, I just want to say this as a service to people out there. The Jeff Goldblum jazz, which he does almost every week if he's in town. Oh, my God. At a venue called Rockwell, is the best ticket in town. It's like you're digging the knife deeper as we speak. Okay, well, well, obviously it's the best. What has Jeff Goldblum ever done that isn't the best? It's sheer joy for two hours of Goldblumness. It's not even that expensive, guys. Uh, get in on that. Look it up. Uh, I'm Look sorry, Sammy. Thank you. Is that what you wanted? It's okay. We can move on. We're great now. Has Ben apologized to you? Oh, no. He didn't. Wow. This is... This is going to be bad. This is going to be really Josh bad. Josh Horowitz wrecking relationships for four decades. Yeah. Um, yes. I had a quick jaunt to L.A. Uh, headed back out there soon for. You're, yeah. You're going to be there for a while. For Oscar shenanigans. Um, yeah. It's going to be fun. Are you looking for the Oscars this year? Yes. Who are you rooting for? Very what's, much what's your so. one? What's your. My most unexpected. Well, the one movie I really had no interest in seeing is my by far favorite. Shape of Water. S-O-W. I, S-O-Dubs, as I call it. <laughs> I love everything about that movie. I don't know if I knew that you fell for it so hard. You, you don't even know. You don't care about me at <laughs> all. You don't invite me to Jeff Goldblum. You don't know I like Shape of Water. No, that was... Well, you do like Fishmen. That's your, exactly. That's your, that's your, it was finally like everything I had always sort of dreamed about. <laughs> In your Match.com happening, profile, yeah. you're like seeking Fishman, yeah. man. Being best friends with Richard Jenkins was really the main thing in my dream journal. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping that that movie sweeps. And I, Logan, I just Logan. want Logan to win that Screenplay? award. That's amazing. I got yeah. in there. It won't win. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, cool. I'm just I just want to prepare you for disappointment. Shape of Water uh, will very likely win. I would say director. Guillermo okay. is the favorite. We love him here. We love, who doesn't love Guillermo? If you don't love Guillermo, I don't want to know you. I don't like you. He's yeah. a perfect human being. Um, <laughs> and Shape of Water, I th- you know, I think it will win, but I'm, I I don't know. I'm kind of if I had to bet right now, I might go with three billboards. Really? It just, I just it just won the BAFTA. It's whatever. If you I like get, that movie a lot, yeah. but as a full like whole piece of art right it does not compare i'm well i don't know i'm not endorsing one over the other i'm give simply it to, give saying rock, i love rockwell though yes love france great yes no so disrespect. i think it'll be a good oscars in that i think it's gonna i don't think one film's gonna sweep i think you're gonna see acknowledgement for i think i don't think one film's gonna win seven awards i think you're gonna see uh get out win an award and, and, and ladybird get an award and shape of water and so i think i think that there's love to go around so in that way i'm excited for and i it. love kimmel 
Yeah, he'll be. He'll I'm be always good, here for Camel. He'll be good. Yeah. Um. So yes, I'll be. I'll be covering the Oscars this year. A little bit different than I had before. Yeah. Uh, I'll be uh, a part of the E team. Uh, so check me out uh, in E's coverage in the. I believe it's like the countdown show. Are you going to be doing the uh, in charge of the fashion cam? Yeah. Obviously. You'll be doing like the fashion recap. Yeah. yeah. When I say I'm working yeah. the E, e yeah. carpet, it means I'm actually operating the fashion cam. Yeah. <laughs> I've now got the mani cam. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> There's actually a petty cam now this year. I'm doing finally. The pet- no, I am. I'm uh, with Kristen Dos Santos. Uh, the experts. We are going to be uh, kind of weighing in on categories and stuff. Awesome. So uh, if you want to check out my pearls of wisdom, watch uh, the E red carpet. Uh, I'll watch it. Oh, wow. Thanks. I'll watch it. Thanks for deigning <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> I'll turn it on in the background. <laughs> well, gee, thanks. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so there's that coming up. And, of course, the main event uh, on today's show is Heather Graham. Heather Graham. We all know Heather Graham. Everybody. Everybody knows Heather Graham, whether it's Austin Powers or Boogie Nights. Uh, she's had a hangover. She's had an eclectic, long career. I mean, going all the way back to, um, you know, License to Drive and um, what was it? A drugstore cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's she's definitely lived different kinds of lives in in cinema, and now is living a new life as a writer director. Her her new film is Half Magic. Uh, it's kind of like a broad sex comedy in a way that is um, startlingly relevant in these in these times. It's a it's a it's a film about harassment in the wow. workplace. It's a film about an actor or sorry a um, a writer who uh, a female writer who wants to make a movie, much like Heather Graham was a was a actress who wanted to make a movie and was kind of shut down by by men in Hollywood. That's kind of what her character experiences in this. Uh, it's getting very good reviews and it is uh, available, I believe, on iTunes and all VOD and all those kind of shenanigans. It's also in, uh, I think, 10 cities around uh, the U.S. So check out Half Magic. Uh, Heather uh, was a delight to chat with. We cover it all from her her upbringing. Yes, of course, we dig into Boogie Nights, my favorite Bowfinger. Mm. Um, all Bowfinger! Bowfinger. Uh, a- she's so good in that. I forgot about Bowfinger. Bowfinger holds wow. up. Great movie. Great movie. Um, and uh, yeah, we talk about it all. She's very frank also in talking about, you know, she's had she had her own Weinstein experiences she, she's written about. She's worked for James Toback. She's definitely yeah. worked with some of the notorious uh, gross people in Hollywood and has lived to tell the tale. So kudos to her to um, surviving it and having a thriving career and now trying out new things and really pushing this, this film into existence, which is very much a passion project. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Heather Graham, of the course. The delightful Heather Graham. Well, let's go with delightful. I would do that. Um, okay. Uh, review. Rate, Rate, subscribe. And subscribe. Yeah. Uh, iTunes, um, your love and acknowledgement is appreciated. And uh, spread it the good word. It fuels us. Yeah, that's it's all I have. Yeah, that without it, it, we deteriorate we die. into nothing. <laughs> it's that and Diet Coke. I'm staring at your can of Diet Coke. Don't. How many cans of Diet Coke do you go through a day? I've been, I cut down to one. So that leads me to believe you had a problem. Don't. You do too. Don't come here and pretend like you haven't had a Diet Coke when we were on set at 7.30 in the morning. You go in to the Diet Coke. I do. I do. Sometimes on weekends I'll have two. Have you tried the If new, I'm treating myself. Have you tried the new, these flavored Diet no, Cokes? I'm actually uh, pretty uh, angry about them. <laughs> 
like, You're a psychopath. You I really know. Are. I really hate. There's like a fucking mango or ginger <laughs> or something. Like nobody wants mango diet coke. Here's what I don't like. I don't like that they're in those thin bottles. Oh like, yeah. Like oh, it's like a like an energy. Like you're right. having Red Bull or something. It's like, like we're like I'm having one of those like carbonated seltzer yeah. vodka drinks. Yeah. Fuck you, Coca Cola. We're upset. As we as drink I, off yeah. Coca-Cola beverages. As I'm like shotgunning my Diet Coke here. <laughs> Happy Second Fuse brought to you by RC Cola. Uh, enjoy. Oh, yeah, Coke, if you want to. Yeah, no, seriously. We'll, we'll try all the flavors if you want to send them to us. Yeah, send the case over. Yeah, and I'll say good things about them even if I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a soulless creature. I'm easily bought. <laughs> uh, enjoy this conversation with uh, the delightful, as mentioned, Heather Graham. Heather Graham, welcome to my office. Thanks for having me in your office. It's good to see you. Yeah. Um, congratulations on the movie. Uh, Thank you. The movie is Half Magic. We're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk a lot about many things. Uh, when I saw you last, I hadn't actually gotten a chance to see the movie. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a big moment. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. I, I really enjoyed it. It's... Um, uh, I know this is this is like a, a real. I mean, even pet project makes it sound like minimal. This is a, this is a passion project mm-hmm, to say mm-hmm, the least. So, mm-hmm. just give me a sense: has this like press tour felt different than the many you've been yeah, on over your career? It feels totally different because I feel like it's my baby. You know, I've been working on it for seven years, and it just has a message that I think is so beautiful, important to get out there. And I just, it's like a labor of love. So, talking about women's issues makes me so happy. Like, I love talking about it. Yeah. Do you notice um, as you've been talking to people, like, is there is there is there a different way that men talk to you about this film than women? Have you noticed anything? There are, you know, there's been a few men that got a bit offended or maybe they didn't get it, but I think recently a lot of people have been getting it. So it's such a relief to talk to people who get it. Definitely a lot of women get it and um, a lot of men get it too. What's the, what's, what's the worry? What was the worry you had about like the wrong way to interpret something like this? That Well, I guess what I wanted to do was tell a story that had an important message, but that in, in a light, funny and um, sexy way. Right. So you could, you know, I wanted it like the message to be underneath that. And um, so I'm just grateful that some people are seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like, so the, the film you shot, you shot a, a little ways back. You've had time to kind of like noodle around in the edit room, I would mm-hmm, imagine. Mm-hmm, Did mm-hmm. anything change in the way, in the, like the way, like our world changed? I know. Uh, like six months ago or whatever. Yeah. Uh, post uh, Weinstein and, and, and mm-hmm. Me Too and Time's Up. Did you get back in the edit room and think, oh, I can, I can fiddle with things a little bit more? Or did it feel like the cut is the cut? This is the film I wanted to tell, the story I wanted to tell. We didn't go back in the editing room, but I have to say watching the movie after all that stuff happened, it seems like a totally different movie because you're looking at it and you're going, wow. Because I wrote a movie about Hollywood and a woman in Hollywood dealing with harassment and sexism and how she's trying to make movies about women. She has a sexual harasser boss and it just, it seems like the movie's better now after all this stuff happened. Yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 bizarre actually. Yeah. Um, and it's also like fascinating because it's like, as you well know, it's kind of this like meta narrative. It's like, you know, you're the protagonist, the character you play, you know, is a woman who's like trying to be creative and trying to like make films and is being kind of shot down by these kind of oppressive male figures. And as we'll get into, that's kind of what you've experienced yeah, over the sure, years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah? Yeah. So um, how are you with, again, considering this is your baby, are you, are you the kind of actor and filmmaker that like is okay with reviews either way? Like over the years, have reviews been something you've like paid attention to or are you able to shut them out? And what's it like in this case for you? 
Well, um, I guess as a, I usually don't read them just because you can really get it in your head and then it can make you go like, oh, I kind of go crazy. But um, so on this, I was not going to look at them. But then some friends have been telling me that a lot of them have been good, which is pretty awesome. And somebody I haven't actually read them all, but somebody told me that the whatever the variety review says that I rage against the Hollywood machine. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. I want to like, it's true. Cause underneath it, I am angry yeah. and it's told in this kind of funny way, but I am raging against the machine. I'm glad I thought that was cool. How, how the writer worded that. Amazing. Okay. So, okay. So let's come full circle. I promise we're going to come back around to half magic, but since we have some time, let's talk career stuff uh, and just, and background. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, grew up in Wisconsin, but relatively early on moved to California. Um, we, Actually, well, my dad was in the FBI, and he was—he um, got a promotion, and he's from Philadelphia. And we moved to Wisconsin, and then we moved to um, Washington D.C. suburbs, uh, living in Virginia for right. five years. And then I moved to California when I was nine. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was your coming of age years. Yeah. Is safe mm-hmm. to say. And yet, we were talking before. You've kind of made your home mostly now in New York, as I understand it. Yeah. I mean, I still have my house in L.A., so I go back and forth. Got it. Yeah. So, what do you consider somebody? Asks like where you're from now. What do you say? I mean, because I grew up in California from, you know, I would live there during my teenage years. I do feel like I've spent more time living there, but I do love being in New York. Like it's so fun to be back here. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, do you remember when you were a kid, when you, when you guys moved to California, was that something you were excited for? You know, I think when I first moved to California, I really didn't like it because we were living in Virginia and there were a lot of trees in our backyard and I was a little tomboy and we moved to California. It seemed like, oh, people are more superficial and it just, I felt really awkward in the school and I think it was just a very puberty time where you already feel awkward and then it was like doubly awkward moving during that time. But now I do, I do love it. I love it. But it's great to get away sometimes too. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I heard you say that before about like kind of like your teen years, like feeling kind of awkward yeah. and out of place in high school. And I'm curious because like, you know, is that Heather Graham awkward standards or Josh Horowitz awkward standards? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm imagining if I looked at your pictures You're in high so school, funny. I'm like, yeah, okay. You might have <laughs> felt awkward cute. in my well, sphere. Well, I had neck gear. Did you ever wear neck gear? No. Like you mean so trying to like think, for the teeth, yes. like around your neck? Yes. Okay. Okay. You win. Okay, right? Uh, I wore neck gear. I mean, I was pretty nerdy and not dressing well, you know, and just really, I was in um, advanced placement classes. Mm -hmm. So I would be in those classes with all the people. And I remember just looking at the cheerleaders and just being so jealous and like, I wish I could be cool and pretty like those cheerleaders. That's so bizarre. It must must have been like kind of like a forgive my terminology, a bit of a mind fuck when you start to like play. No, that was so weird. Cause then the when, team, as, the, a, the as a teenager, when I go yeah. audition for things, they're like, okay, will you audition for the popular pretty cheerleader? I'm like, but that's not me. I'm like the weird nerdy girl, you know, a uh, theater geek, you know? Yeah. So it was funny that I then started playing these parts as if I was that type of person when I, I had never been that type of person. Did you, yeah, that's so fascinating. Like, um, and I would imagine from the, you know, from the start and this happens for any actor, you deal with the kind of like, you're judged by your appearance. Mm-hmm. Let's be frank, like mm-hmm. especially like in your industry, and, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you fit into a certain box. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine for you over the years, from when you started out, mm-hmm. you walk into a room and they assume certain things about you. What mm-hmm. what kind of a person you are? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, it was it was weird because I actually loved that they saw me in a different way because yeah. I was like, please think I'm pretty. No one at my high school really thought I was pretty. I wasn't really getting asked out on a lot of dates. So mm-hmm. when I was seen as that and cast as that, it was fun. But then at a certain point, you think, well, actually, that's not really me. Like, I'm so much more than that. And then, you know. 
What, so that's a, diff- a different thing. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned like when you say you were nerdy, do you mean it sounds like you were really good in school? And you mm-hmm. were, you were in well, like your- I, I, I basically had a high IQ, so I got put in these special, like more difficult classes. So right. all the people that were in my classes were all the people that were like taking harder classes got and it. that were all nerdy pretty much. And what, so what were you into outside of classes at that point? Like, were you into film and TV and stuff? Because I know your family yeah. kind of... Ca- yeah, my family was conservative, yeah. so I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. Um, but I loved movies. I remember watching The Godfather and Sophie's Choice and, you know, when I was a kid, The Wizard of Oz and um, Tootsie. Classic. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so what... and. Were you able to kind of like sneak in an R-rated movie outside of your parents' purview? If I was at my friend's house, I might be able. But yeah, I remember watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High because I was babysitting. You know, I'm like, when I babysit, then I can watch this stuff because they would not let me go to see an R-rated movie. It's, and it's for people that see this movie. I'm guessing that there, I mean, there's a lot in here that I would guess is, is pulled from your life in different for ways. Sure. And like the opening scene is literally yes. something that I could imagine maybe came from your childhood. No, it's 100%. Basically, um, I was watching The Love Boat uh, with my father and he, you know, we watch TV together sometimes. And, you know, in The Love Boat, they'd kiss and they'd go into their like room on the boat together, you yeah. know, and then it would cut. And you'd be like, what those two people? doing is very wrong they're having premarital sex and you can go to hell for that you know and at the time it was just frightening i'm like this is so scary what's he talking about and then looking back i'm like that's pretty hilarious like it's just so <laughs> ridiculous um i mean are you curious about like i don't know you know i don't want to like get invasive about your family stuff but like what your family would make of this film i don't know who you're in touch with or not but mm-hmm. like at when you when you got, kind of like went through this process of making the film because it is in some ways uh, biographical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you curious like what they would make of the stuff well, in here? I think they, you know, they try to be supportive, but they're just very conservative. It's just like a different generation of looking at things. Yeah. And I'm just so glad I'm not in that generation. <laughs> <laughs> As the years go yeah. by, do you become like more or less um, forgiving of sort of the way you were brought up? Because you, uh, again, it's all context, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like they were brought up in a different world and... Mm-hmm. What their what yeah, their parents I mean, raised did, them on? Did you on. grow up like? How, yeah, how did I'm, your parents? Yeah, pretty liberal. Sex I'm, I'm like stuff. you know like Upper West Side liberals. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like kind of stereotypical. So that, that sounds way. good. You had a good yeah, time in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But not so much for you. You felt a little stifled. No, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of doom and gloom. It's like hell. It would be like, you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell, which is what I put in my movie. It's always like, you might go to hell. <laughs> it's big stakes to put on a kid like early on. Yeah, it's always like wrong... Satan and hell. And it's so dramatic. It's just so overdramatic. That's why I like to find the humor. And it's just like, you might go to hell. You know, it's just like, oh, really? I, I don't think so. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, um, and at what point did you start to, were you doing school plays and stuff by the time you were in yeah, high school? Yeah, that's why I think, yeah. I, I, you know, um, when you're a kid and I auditioned for plays and I would get cast in plays and, and I would get the lead sometimes. And so I guess I thought, oh, this is a way I can get attention and distinguish myself. And when did it, that kind of turn serious? When did you start to go on auditions or model or act or whatever? Well, actually, I think when I moved to California, because the move was hard and I had to leave all my friends and then I became a little bit introverted and just felt like I didn't really have a lot of friends. And I think it started to become a dream like, okay, I'm going to, I want to be an actress and I'm going to be in these plays. And it just was a way for me to express myself when I felt very awkward and insecure and shy. Right. It gives you a little self-confidence. It gives you an, 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 let's an see, outlet. Yeah. 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 yeah mm-hmm. Exactly. So and were you like was there was there like a model kind of actor or career that you envisioned when you were starting out or were you just sort of like this I is mean also- Meryl Streep for really? sure I remember watching Meryl Streep movies and just like I loved her so much I remember watching Sophie's Choice and just being like wow she's so cool <laughs> and Kramer versus Kramer and Dustin Hoffman I'm so sad that people have said those stories about him cuz he's definitely someone that I always watched and really liked his work 
Well, this is a little bit of a tangible, but you bring it up. I mean, I'm curious because we're all wrestling with this right now. It's like, mm. I feel the same way. It's like, yeah. and it's like, and there's, and I can name a dozen. Because some these. people are like, yes, that guy needs to go down. Yeah. He's horrible. But then other people are like, what a bummer. I've watched Tootsie like a hundred times. I know. And it's like, <laughs> and it's going to change the way you watch it yeah. from here on out. Um, are you already experiencing that? It sounds like you are. Like when you start to think back of Tootsie, it's, there's a little tinge now. There's like, I, I love know, Tootsie. I there's a little tinge. But, but yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yeah, there's a tinge. <laughs> <laughs> there is a tinge. Yeah. What was the first um, first big audition? Do you remember? Um, that hmm. you were like, you felt there was a lot riding on. You were super excited about. Well, I remember auditioning for License to Drive, and I was which excited about that, which I got. Yeah. And then I remember Drugstore Cowboy. Um, and then actually, I did. I got a part in the original Heather's, but my, I was living at home with my family, and they told me I couldn't do it because there was a lot of whatever. They, right. Too R. They thought it was too R rated. Um, but yeah, I remember those auditions, and it's so exciting when you're just a kid and your life is a very sheltered suburban life, and then suddenly you get thrown into this Hollywood world. It was really fun. Was the, so License Drive was the first film, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. was the first TV show was that Growing Pains also? Did yes. I, God, you were like you just, did a lot of research. Well, just looking uh-huh. at when I'm looking at the resume, I'm like. I can't think of two more like projects more closely associated with that era. You yeah, know what I mean? The yeah. Corys and Growing Pains. Oh my God. I had a huge crush on Kirk Cameron. Like he was so cute. Yeah. Right. Your yeah. parents might've approved given his, uh, know, his upbringing. He's so religious. Yeah. <laughs> what might've been. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, and then license, do you, what do you remember about license to drive? Did you feel like comfortable in that kind of environment or did it feel like, um, this feels natural or did it feel like what the hell have I gotten myself into? Well, I think I felt really awkward at school and I didn't feel like I fit in. So when I went and um, worked on movies, I did feel like, oh, I get to be around these artistic people and that was fun. And just like driving onto the 20th Century Fox lot, I just remember like as a kid, this it blew my mind that yeah. they were going to like give me a pass to drive onto this lot to be in a movie. It was so exciting. And I mean, I thought Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were really cool. I was a fan. I had watched their movies. Um... And I mean, I think that they were just a lot more wild and, and, and I mean, I think they were doing drugs and stuff and I was pretty innocent and had not really done, you know, I had a guardian, they were emancipated minors. So got it. yeah, they just seemed like really exotic. Like here's these famous (laughs) actors and they do drugs and you know, whatever. Again, probably for the best you kept to yourself. I know. I'm really sad (laughs) about those stories too. Yeah. I just ran into Corey Feldman actually. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Corey, yeah, I don't want to bring it down too much. I remember Corey Ham, I think I did one of the last interviews he came by he and he was, he was, a yeah, he, he was a very sweet guy, but it was like clearly like there had been damage. Like he'd wow. been through it. What did he say? Like, what did you get out of that conversation? I got, what I got out was like, yeah. here's a sweet guy. That's, that's, this is like why you don't do drugs, frankly. Like, yeah. cause like he clearly yeah. was not right. Yeah. Not, not a well guy. Huh. Um, but uh, I mean, looking back at the transition, you already mentioned, you know, early on you do license to drive and then you do. Gus Van Sant film. Yeah, uh, that Drugs was pretty amazing. So did that feel like just like apples and oranges? Like going from a <laughs> License to Drive, a Corey's movie, to a Gus Van Sant I mean, set. they were both pretty exciting, I have to say. Because if you think about, okay, I've been living in suburbia and the only culture happening there is the mall, right? Yeah. And then I'm going on a movie set. Like they both seem like insanely exciting. I mean, Drugstore Cowboy definitely was more of like an artistic, um, you know, I met these people that were reading Charles Bukowski and John Fonte, you know, William Burroughs was wandering around the set. It was just like, my mind was like blown by the fact that I was not really exposed to this stuff before. I remember like someone playing Tom Waits and me thinking like, all I've listened to is top 40. And now I, now I know who Tom Waits is. This is so exciting. That's quite a trial by fire. William Burroughs in one corner, Tom Waits and Gus Van Sant. Totally. (laughs) Um, did you, I'm curious, like early on, did you feel like you had like a peer group? Like, did you have like other actors that 
were either going up for the same roles or that you felt like you could lean on? Like, did you feel like you had a community or were you on your own? Well, I guess that when I was in high school, I definitely felt like I was a little bit weird. So when I went into Hollywood and I got to hang out with like other actors and, you know, people working in the film business, I felt like, oh, I, now I found my people. You know, these yeah. people are like weird, artistic people like me. So that felt good. The, um, Swingers remains one of uh, you know the standouts, obviously, in your career. How massive a surprise was that to you in terms of what it turned out to be? Um, it was really cool. I mean, if you think about the budget being two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and like you know, nobody knew who Vince Vaughn was and, and John Favreau. I mean, it was fun. We used to go practice swing dancing together. I think we went like for a month every single night and practiced swing dancing. And I just did it for fun. I didn't think like, oh, this will be a classic or this is going to be a big hit. So it was kind of exciting where, that was shot because i was just in la a couple days ago mm-hmm. and i was in los Feliz. was that like where, like the, the dresden oh, yeah, That's yeah and the dresden oh, yeah really? the derby yeah. and the dresden yeah that's amazing yeah but it was cool because our budget was so low so they couldn't like shut down the place where we were shooting and then right. put extras in there like they normally do so they would just leave it open for business just all people would be there for the night just drinking out for the night and we would film there at the same time it just people were amazing. hanging out there this is for the folks listening. This is not how movies are done. This it is, is not, not the usual. I mean, way. yeah, yeah. I mean, they had no money, and like, I would be doing a scene with John, and like, people would just keep sitting in his seat, like where he was going to sit. We'd be like, no, 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 we're shooting, you right. know. And they're like, oh, because it was like so the crew was so small, they didn't even see that we were shooting. Yeah, it's like also like a mini documentary behind the scenes crew or something. So, um, Boogie Nights, of course, which you know, for context, I think people like need to remember that. Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't Paul Thomas Anderson then. He, right. he had had one film, which was a great film. I mean, I'm a big fan of Heart Eight. Um, mm-hmm. But at that time, did that feel like, because I was also for you, I think, correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, like the first time, like a, a pretty explicit sexual role. Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. it feel like you were like taking a risk? Yeah, it did. But I guess I thought his writing was so good. And there were a lot of big actors in it. And it did. I mean, people, you're doing a movie about the porn world. And prior to that, I don't think there was really any legitimate movies being made about that kind of subject matter. So yeah. it's just like, is this going to be really exploitive? Or is this going to be great? Because the script is so good. But for me at that time, I was just really grateful also to have a job. Because, you know, it's not that easy to get acting work. Were, were people around you, friends or, or agents or whatever, supportive? Did they think that was the right thing at the time? Or were people like, this could look bad on a resume if this doesn't turn out I think at the time like I was not you know a known actress so it was like this is a good shot for you right it's worth yeah. the shot yeah yeah did you did you I'm curious did you read did you read like with other Dirk Diggler's because I remember like Leonardo was up for I know. it isn't that funny I remember him talking about that yeah, yeah. Was it no I mean by the you? time I was cast he was already cast like I think he was cast Julianne Moore was cast Burt Reynolds was cast gotcha so that most of the people were cast before I got cast did you just because uh, I'm fascinated by the film and I've read so much about it and it's infamously, you know, Bert, <laughs> Bert has talked about like how he was, you know, not necessarily in sync with, uh, with Paul and was worried about it. Did you get that sense that Bert Reynolds was not like having it at the time? I think I remember one day he like yelled at Paul or something. And, um, I think, yeah, I just remember that and he <laughs> yelled at Paul one day and he just like lost it on wow. him. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, have you noticed the difference over the years? Like, having done, you know, a few sex scenes being directed by a man or a woman for a sex scene. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've noticed like a difference in, in the way you're directed in a scene like that? I don't know that I've really ever done a sex scene with a female director. I think I've only done them with male directors. You directed yourself. Yeah. When I work with myself, (laughs) that was really, well, let me ask you this way. Like, are there right or wrong ways that 
in a very sensitive situation like that that you feel like you've witnessed or, or... Well, you know, I don't... Yeah, it's always kind of awkward to do a sex scene, but I don't think I've ever been, you know, treated abusively shooting a sex scene. I feel like... It's more of sometimes it's just told from a male point of view. So right. you're just like, oh, these stories aren't being told from a female point of view, which is can be frustrating. But I don't feel like anyone's ever treated me in a bad way doing a sex. I think it's frightening to do them and it's scary to be naked because right. it's you feel self-conscious. But as an actor, you just try to lose yourself in the story. And then you can just at a certain point, if you forget about it, you can just forget. You know, you can just be in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a super random question because uh, I'm sure nobody's asked you about Lost in Space today. Oh my God, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was always fascinated by Lost in Space because I had, a, I think I have a You've weird... seen every movie, yeah. Well, look at my walls I here. Um, I know. W- I was obsessed at the time. I think I've always had an obsession with strange CGI creatures mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with Blarp. Hmm. Remember Blarp? Mm-hmm. Do you, you and Blarp keep in touch? The, the CGI monkey? No. What? I don't, I forget, who is You don't that? even remember Barb? No. Whoa, this is amazing that I was remember Was this in Barb. Lost in Space, the yes. TV show or the movie? The movie you were in. Really? Oh, okay. That's Heather, how much... you blocked it out. All right. Now I'm remembering Wait, it. Wait, there I'm was a CGI it. monkey. Okay, yes. A space monkey. Okay, yes. I do and, remember this. And, I do remember it And his it name now. was Barb. Yeah. And it's the defining characteristic yeah. of Barb, which clearly yeah. I only remember, yeah. is that um, Barb hmm. would communicate by saying his own name. Hmm. I'll give you a little Barb. Maybe this will jog my memory. Okay, okay. Does that bring you yeah, back? Yeah, no, I do remember. I feel like we were doing a scene and we were hanging from a spaceship and then yeah. the monkey was in that scene. Yeah, I yeah, remember that. He was all over the place. Yeah. He was like your co-star. Yeah. LeBlanc. He was a CGI co-star. I Wait, think we was had Matt to LeBlanc there? Was he a CGI Matt LeBlanc? No, he was real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh yeah, another one I, I, I have to mention is uh, Bowfinger. Oh, I know. I love Bowfinger. I love Bowfinger so, so much. Good. <laughs> um, so, um... And that char- that character is a fascinating character too, yeah. because it's like uh, we're talking about sort of like you know dealing with preconceived notions. You know, she's seemingly the archetype of like just off the bus mm-hmm. uh, actor, um, but turns out to be almost the most conniving <laughs> one in the in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just give me like what are the first things you think of? Uh, was it is it about the character? Is it about working with Steve and Eddie or Frank Oz or what? There's so much to that. That I just I'm think it was really with. special. I feel proud of it. And um, yeah, I mean, first of all, Steve Martin, just to even get to work with him, is so cool. I remember being a kid and watching Saturday Night Live, and remember him doing like King Tut skit or <laughs> Wild and Crazy Guy. Like he's really cool. And um, I don't know. I just think it was a well written, funny movie. Was there? I remember talk at the time. I don't want to get into scurrilous gossip, but that that character was based on Anne Heche. I remember the talk of the time, too. Yeah, <laughs> Is there I any mean, discussion of that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like he walked around saying, you're Anne Heche, you know what I mean? But I guess because she had just come out with Ellen, being with Ellen at that right. moment, and, and my character at the, at the end, end shows have... up with like a powerful female right. lesbian. But yeah. Read into it what you will. Uh-huh. I'll ask Steve when he comes on the podcast. Gotta ask Steve that, yeah. <laughs> so, um... You know, we've we've talked about the different kinds of roles you've done, and you, you it feels like though, like unfortunately, it seems every actor, every actress, I should say, mm-hmm. um, ends up playing, you know, the sex workers, honestly, right? right, right? right like right. the prostitute, the stripper, right. the right. porn star, and you've right. done all of those. Right. Right. You know, I look at the next thing, you know, on the resume, right. it's like, oh, there's From Hell and there's The yeah. Hangover, and these yeah. are good, interesting yeah. roles, interesting yeah. films, but. I'm curious, like, were, how aware were you of that and of trying to, like, avoid that kind of stuff or just saying, you know, this is the best material I'm getting and I'm just going to go yeah, with it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like as an actress, you want to be in a good film. So that's your first priority. And then, of right. course, you're going, yeah, I want to play the intelligent whatever. But, I mean, there's not that many roles like that for women, unfortunately. That's why I wrote and directed my own movie because 
it's, you know, men write most of the movies and direct most of the movies, and they love this prostitute stripper character. They just write it all the time, <laughs> and it's like their fun way to, you know, I guess they have this maybe fetish about women that are doing these things, and they love to write those characters. It's a little disturbing when we dig into it a little bit. Yeah. But then the funny thing is these men are writing these characters and making you into this very sexualized person. And then they're like, they look at you as if you are that person and not the mind of the man that wrote it. You know, it's like, right. this is, I'm acting out his weird fantasy. Yeah, this don't is blame not, me. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I just work here. It's fun. To be honest, as an actor, sometimes it can be fun playing roles that are sort of out there and wild and something that you would never really do in your life. So it is kind of fun playing those roles. But obviously, when I wrote and directed my own movie, I did not write it about a stripper. Right, right, right. <laughs> and because it, it strikes me like, again, when I look at sort of your, your body of work, like you, you clearly like to work. Like you yeah. are a worker. Yeah, like I it, like see, to work. you thrive on it. Yeah, it, it would and seem. also, you know, it's nice to have money to pay your bills. No, of course, of course. It's a, it's <laughs> but so, I love working as well. I do. I yeah. feel so grateful to do a job that I love. And has kind of the philosophy over the years been like, you know, the nature of the beast. Some of the jobs will be more rewarding than others, but like, again, for a variety of reasons, sometimes to pay the bills, but also because That's I... That's true. And also, I think sometimes you don't really know. Like, in the case of Swingers, right? You're not making this movie. You're just like, I'm going to go to work. It sounds fun. There's something good about this. And then you kind of... It's, it's kind of luck or you yeah. know a fluke sometimes you don't know oh is this going to be good or not like you don't always look at a script and go oh I know for sure this is going to be great you're like it might be good so sometimes you just roll the dice it's like a gambling game yeah and I would think and then you you experience the you know snake eyes on something like yeah. swingers yeah. you're like oh wait yeah. I could that could happen again yeah. I'm gonna keep trying yeah yeah <laughs> how soon into like a, a shooting a film do you kind of like know what you're in like know like okay this sometimes is sometimes you honestly don't know until it's done like you might be working on something and think it's great and it's not or you might not think something's great and it is but I think usually if there's like a you can t tell if there's a really good feeling but you never 100% know yeah Okay, so so getting to Half Magic and, and your directing debut and screenwriting debut, um, you know, you'd want to do something like this. Whether I know there were other projects you were trying to develop as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel so? I guess the, maybe one of the advantages of, of it taking so long to kind of get to the point where you were actually you know had the money and you were on a set is like you were probably ready. Like mm -hmm. you had gone over this in your head a thousand times. Yeah. Did it feel that way by the time you were on set? You're like. This isn't as scary as maybe I was it, so prepared, yeah. really, really prepared. I mean, I was still scared because I'd never done it before, so I was totally nervous, but I was extremely prepared. Yeah. yeah. So what do you – did you draw more on the on the successful directors you worked with or the ones that you hated when you, when you got on set? Like these are the things I want to do or these are the things I want to avoid? Um, I did watch certain movies and, and study them and say, okay, I want to maybe do something similar. Like I want to shoot, shoot the shots in a way like this one movie, or mm -hmm. I want to make the actors feel really supported. Like how Paul Thomas Anderson's super supportive director, you know, but then at the end of the day, you're just, you kind of just, it just kind of comes to you in the moment. I think I was just so happy to be doing it that I just radiated that I loved <laughs> being there and doing it. And I just like was so happy that the actors that showed up were so amazing. And just, I, I was so happy that they agreed to work with me. Yeah. So I think I was just doing something I loved. So that just comes through. Are most of the actors in the film people that you knew going in? Like, are you Chris, is Chris Delia a friend? I mean, is I knew he... Chris a little bit. We weren't close friends, but I was a huge fan and I had hung out with him a few times and I definitely wanted him to be in the movie. So I kept like writing to him like, Chris, I want you to be in my movie and trying to just like get him to... He's disturbingly good. In this, I know. Almost to the point you're like, hmm. I know. I know. <laughs> He's really good. And I remember like talking to the financier about hiring him because I'm like, this guy is so talented. I'm like, he's going to be a star. And you know, the financier at first was like, mm, I don't know, you know? And then finally... He let me hire him, which was great. Nice. The, I have to say, most of the guys in the film, 
not such great guys. <laughs> kind of like an almost like uniquely horrible in different ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, like is Chris, for instance, playing a caricature of people you've experienced or are those have people you've experienced that... Well, I think the tone of the film is a comedy, so it's slightly exaggerated in that sense, but I think it's real. Like, I know guys that act like that. Yes, it's 100% real that people treat other people that way and say these... I, I, there's so many men that I've worked with that have no filter, and they just think it's so charming for them to just say whatever comes out of their mouth, no matter how raunchy and disgusting. And usually these are guys that are very successful. They are very rich, so everyone just kisses their ass, basically. And then the flip side, if a, a woman does it, they're considered crude and what's wrong with her, like... Yeah, I mean, there's not as many women in power, so it's yeah. like uh, these guys are getting away with it until hopefully now. <laughs> exactly. Were you were you hearing like what what was the kind of feedback you were getting when you were trying to get a film made that would maybe upset <laughs> um, uh, those of us that think better of people? What's what's the well, he was like, I, I guess they said, oh, this business model, you know, no one's going to give you the money. Nobody yeah. cares about women's stories. Uh, women's movies don't make money. If you want to get a movie made, write about a man. I t- put all these frustrating lines into my movie, right. too. But um, people say, like, you're not a big enough star. Get a male star. Get a famous male star, and then we'll give you the money. It's crazy. It's, it's also crazy because it's, it's like you can literally, you know, if Hollywood's just about the math, you can, mm-hmm. po- you can point to a chart. You That's can, the thing. You, they would put it through the charts and go, oh, this doesn't work in our chart and the models that we've that are usually made, so we don't want to make it because it's not um, financeable or whatever. It doesn't run through their – the numbers don't. It seems like even though that's bullshit even, right? It is like if you bullshit. look at things like Bridesmaids, Girls Trip, like the ones when you actually get a female ensemble together. I know, so why don't they make more? That's what I'm saying. That's like my girlfriend came to see one of the screenings and she said to her boyfriend when they were leaving, she's like, you don't know how important it is for us to see ourselves as protagonists yeah. in this kind of movie. Like you get five buddy comedies a week that you can watch, but we get one every two years. Like, do you know how important it is to see our stories told and for us to see ourselves as the protagonists? It doesn't happen that much. No, that's, I mean, that's also the conversation in a much different way like black panther right now it's all yeah, about I'm representation i want to see it's that pretty, it, it's it's a very good movie but it's mm-hmm. almost like it's it's beyond the movie it's what you're talking about right. it's like there's a profundity of watching of just seeing on screen you've like you've literally never seen that like an all wow. black cast in that kind of so setting cool. so maybe you know Exciting. some of the world's falling Exciting apart times. but some, yeah. some of it's looking up yeah um what was the what was your favorite part of the process was it being on set being on set was amazing. I mean, the other night when we had our premiere, a lot of my friends were there and the actors and just being, it just felt so wonderful to just feel like, oh my God, I actually really made this movie and people were laughing and they got what I was trying to say. And some of the people who've written about the movie that, that enjoyed it or understood what, where, I, you know, where I was coming from, that's really satisfying because you're like, okay, I had this idea and some people are getting it. Like it <laughs> makes me feel really, it made me feel really good. What's the biggest, what's the biggest learning as you hopefully get to do another one of these, what what are you going to take into the next uh, project? Well, I think that sometimes it's easy to overwrite things because you end up cutting a lot of stuff out in the editing room. So hopefully I would do my editing before I shot it. Gotcha. Um, And just, you know, making things flow. It just, it's so fun to learn about writing. Now when I watch things, I have a writer's mind. I'm like, oh, I understand where this story's going because I could see how they've, you know, laid the groundwork in the first act to see what conflict's going to happen. And writing is amazing. It's also a, probably there's a balance you're trying to strike, especially with the kind of performers you get in this, that many of which are very good at improv and you want, right. and you want to let them 
I mean, Which I did. Yeah, I definitely let them sort of make stuff up. Not all the time. Sometimes I'd say, okay, stop doing it. Just go back to the script. But a lot of times I just would let them run with it. But then you're editing it and it can be hard because you might not have saying. covered the same improv on both sides, you yeah. know? But it is, it's exciting. It's exciting to work with imp- improvisational comedians. Yeah, well, you can't get like Molly Shannon on set and just be like, just do the one and then we we're done with so you. We had so many funny outtakes from that scene. It was very hard like to cut a lot of it out because you can't have that scene lasting for like 10 minutes, but yeah. she was so funny. What's the, is there a proudest scene you have in the film? Like a, a is it, whether it's a performance or a moment or, because it, it doesn't, as, as like, mm-hmm. as broad and, and as comedic as it gets, it, it, there are some dramatic and poignant moments, yeah. especially as you move further into the narrative. Yeah. I mean, um, and the scene where Thomas Lennon comes over to Angela's house after she's like drunk dialed him. I don't know. It's fun watching those two work together. They're both really so quick, you know, and uh, I don't know, but saying that I don't want to take away from like all the other actors being right. amazing, you know, but it was fun because I wasn't in that scene. So I think too, I wasn't in that scene just watching them. Yeah. That was kind of, I felt like I was like an audience just watching them. So what's the, what's the dream like? going forward in terms of like what you want the career to look like? Is it, is it going back and forth and obviously still being able well, to What act? if I could be a Woody Allen, but not a child molester, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. not like a slightly chauvinistic child molester. Right. No, that's a good, yeah. incestuous uh, person. <laughs> but how do you really feel Heather? <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, that would be good. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to see more female stories being told. So I like to tell, Stories with female protagonists. Yeah. yeah. You, or mean, a TV show, you know, tell, do more movies or maybe create a TV show, something like that. Do you sense more of an openness? Like, uh, there's obviously more dialogue, at least. Mm-hmm. We're actually at least talking about this stuff now, mm-hmm. where maybe a year ago it was pay, more of a little lip service. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like already there's a tangible more openness in the meetings you have or the people you're talking to for these? I think kind of people are finally like, okay, we're not going to just whisper these things in back rooms to our friends. Like, we're just going to talk about it out in the open, and we're going to stand up for ourselves more than we ever have, and just that there's a dialogue that this stuff needs to change. Yeah. So that's exciting. As a woman, it's so exciting. Like, when these news stories came out, I mean, obviously the stories are disturbing, but there's this feeling of, like, a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, we're going to stop lying about what's really happening. Yeah. Did you, because you, I mean, you obviously talked a, a little bit, I think you, you wrote a column about the Weinstein, your experiences with Weinstein. You, you've worked with James Toback, mm-hmm. who also is... Creepy. Creepy, yes. <laughs> thanks, you. I was going to say something, but thank you. That helps. <laughs> was that your experience, that he was a bit of a... Yes. I mean, it's funny because I was I was talking to someone else about it. And, I, you know, actually working with him creatively was fun, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, he's creepy. That's he's the thing. totally creepy. Again, going back, like that's the thing. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. Leon can be a genius and he can also be a lot of other things. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. unfortunately you can compartmentalize yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, like, what's the. When you think of the director, I'm curious, like, without naming names, because I don't, I'm not mm. trying to, like, get gossip, but, like, is there, like, a worse director experience you've had in terms of, like, what, like, a director that did things the wrong way? It doesn't even have to be about harassment or mm. whatever you feel mm. comes to mind. Mm. What's the. Well, I told another story that I already that I already talked about, but I had dated Adam Horowitz a long time ago, and right. his dad like hit on me, gross. He was like directing a play in Los Angeles, and I auditioned for his play, and I was nineteen, he was probably like fifty, and then he got in the elevator with me after, and he just like shoved his tongue down my throat, and I was just like, "What is going on?" And were you dating Adam at the time? I think we had broken up at that time. That's crazy. But I mean, I knew him because of dating his son. Yeah, and it was just creepy. 
Did you tell him afterwards? Did you tell no, because we had broken up, and I had I wasn't really ta- I hadn't talked to him for right. a little while, so no. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, my brother's name is Adam, so growing up, we got a lot of calls for Adam Horowitz. At oh, my really? House. That's yeah. funny. Very disappointed there was no Beastie Boy staying in oh my, my place. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? Uh, so going forward, you're you're mm-hmm. spreading the good word of this. Mm-hmm. Are you actively like? Are you writing something right now that you're trying to? Yeah, develop? I just wrote a script called Chosen Family, um, and I'm writing this new idea, which I think might be a TV show about how cancer is big business. And I just optioned a book by Leanne Moriarty. Wait, I'm curious about the cancer being business, like for yeah. pharmaceutical companies yeah. you're talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, just kind of the way that it's run. Are we really, I mean, if they're, cancer's a billion dollar business. So they're making a lot of, mo- a lot of money off of people being sick. So are they super incentivized for us not to be sick? Interesting. And so that's, that's a film, film script? Um, I think I'm writing it as a TV, sh- as a TV series. At the moment I'm writing it as a TV series. It Got could it. also be a film, yeah. So are yeah. you, is like, in your quote unquote downtime when mm-hmm. you're not like on a set, mm-hmm. is this what occupies your time? Like just bouncing ideas? Around it is and- really fun because you don't have to wait for someone to hire you. You can just start writing something. And so I have um, Chosen Family and The Cancer Thing. Yeah. And then I just optioned a book. So it's like I have creative things I can do. I don't need to wait for someone else to give me a job, which right. is so empowering. Like writing and directing your own movie, even though it's so, it was very hard to get the money. It's like there's stuff you can do at home. You can write. Yeah. It's fun. Sounds like yeah. you're inspired coming it is. off of it's this. Inspiring. I want to do it again. I felt like directing is like a drug, and I want to have that drug again. There it's you like go. the best drug, but it's it's the it's, good it's, drug. The it's good a kind good, of healthy, <laughs> creative. It just felt so good. I just felt like I'm my best self in this moment because I felt so happy and loving. Yeah. Well, you yeah. should. You should. Uh, you know. You could, it's safe to take a peek at some of the reviews because I've taken yeah. a peek and they are good. Yeah, like, congratulations. Yeah. Knock it's, on wood. That is awesome. It's so exciting that some people are getting it. It just is like. I feel like I can just take a deep breath and relax, like exactly. after all that work. Have yeah. you been, were you kind of tense going into these weeks? Like, yeah, race? at first I thought maybe I won't read it because I just thought I just want to get through the publicity and the press stuff that I was doing. But it's fun. My friend was sending me some of them, like Heather Graham rages against the Hollywood machine, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah you need that blowing I'm, up and put on a wall. I know, That's I'm like, <laughs> I'm raging against the machine. I'm like a rock band, rage against the machine. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, congratulations. The film is half magic. Uh, how can people see it? It's it's uh, it's in. 10 cities and okay. it's also VOD. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Seek it out. Uh, it's, it's a fun piece of work. It's yeah, as I said, it, it's, 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 thanks for supporting the film and course. for having me on before. And now it's of so course. awesome. You're, of you're you. always welcome here. Uh, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Thanks for stopping Hopefully by you'll interview me then too. Anytime. <laughs> and so ends another edition of happy, sad, confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 